You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Dude, I was editing Popcorn Ronin, and I get to the exit. Feels like talking about freaking real estate checkout internet dragons. I'm like, oh shit, I have to get Sarah over here and record more of these. <laughs> Hello and welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on the 12th of October and we have a fun show for tonight and we, we finally get to talk about some like more current Star Wars, the Old Republic stuff, although we are actually... I'm almost caught up to last year. You're almost caught up. No, that was this year still. Oh yeah, yeah, no. It, it was this year. I'm current. Um, no, I wouldn't say current. We're not current. <laughs> not but... current, but you're closing in on current. We're not going to talk about the trailer, the epic trailer that dropped this week we're actually going it to talk about everything dude it's amazing like they their trailers are all spectacular that one floored me so we're going to talk about that next week so yes yet another week of swotar but this is awesome because we finally get to talk about some of the Fallen Empire, because you've been getting caught up. Now, you're on episode eight, you said? Eight, eight or nine. Chapter I forget eight. exactly where I am, yeah. Okay. Before we get into the Knights of the Fallen Empire stuff, though, you now got to do the Revan stuff as well and finish it off. What did you think about all of that? So when that came out, that the, uh, the solo option for the final battle wasn't in the game, I'm presuming. I don't know. I, I know we neither one of us were playing at the time, but yeah, what they did was because I believe originally when Shadow of Revan came out, uh, the final battle against Revan was an eight man operation, you know, their version of a raid. But now that they're making this big push towards story content being soloable with the solo mode flashpoints and whatnot, they added in a way to finish off the storyline without having to get an entire operation together of going around doing some side i had to find side quests <laughs> i was like what what did, what are they asking what are they asking me to do oh these things i've been ignoring since yeah. level one <laughs> to to bring the coalition between the republic and the empire together so that all the npcs you came across over the course of shadow of revan can now come together and help you in that final battle as your eight-man raid group i was blown away it's the coolest thing i've seen thus far in that game I loved it because, again, I did it out of step, which you actually did it the right way, obviously, by working your character through and then the Hot Cartel, then Revan, and now you're working on Knights of the Fallen Empire. What I'd done is I boosted a character, so I jumped right into Knights of the Fallen Empire. So mm. as I'm dealing with the companions, like Lana, like Theron, like uh, Baudar and, 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 and oh, the robot and stuff, I Theron was like... and I have a history. Yeah, so I, for me it was like... not like each other. <laughs> meh, whatever, their companion's not a big deal. But then when I was doing it on my other character that I had worked all the way through, all of a sudden those characters had so much more weight. Like all of a sudden... Badar and his robot buddy were two uh, of my favorites. John Dar. What's that? John Dar. Oh, right, right. I'm thinking of Baudar is the actual companion. Yeah, yeah, the actual companion. Yeah, sorry. But John Dar and D4 were amazing. They're awesome. They're awesome. So, yeah, I was so what the fuck is going on? My computer keeps turning on. So sorry for the fan noises. I'm going to just turn the fucking thing off. (laughs) It's my PC (laughs) on the side. It keeps turning on. Um, But, yeah, once you know who they are. 
then there's a lot more impact because you got so much more story with them, like from them being imprisoned and them wanting to be with you. And then you get quite a bit more later on. So like now that you have done it that Sorry, way, that genre, it's Jakaro. John Dar is somebody completely different from that. I, I, I didn't want to challenge you on it because, like, honestly, my memory is shot, but I didn't didn't sound quite right. It, yeah, it was close we enough got, though that I there. was going to let it slide for you. <laughs> but what did you feel about the companions? Like having spent so many levels working towards the uh, the the actual class companions, what did you think about bringing these forward then into Knights of the Fallen Empire? I think narratively it makes more sense because let's be honest, the original companions are largely ancillary to the storyline, except for, you know, the one particular chapter where they're important beyond that. They're, they're kind of nobody. Like they, they don't have a whole lot of weight in the overall scheme of things. So creating this second cast of more important companions that didn't start out as companions. They were just the NPCs that were helping you out along the way. And then once shit got real and fallen empire and, you know, you needed to upgrade, let's just say. So I, I'm actually down. I'm down with it. I like it. See, I like the blend of the two because like you're saying, the old companions are not as important and yet you do see them pop into each chapter yeah. as like, I haven't found any of my old companions yet, but yeah, T7 and Scorpio. Someone pointed out that the entirety of Star Wars, the old Republic is actually a story about T7. <laughs> Cause that son of a bitch has been everywhere. He crops up all over the place. And what's funny is that I just finished the Jedi Knight storyline. And that was one of the few that I had not completed. And so I went through it and I, 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 I finished the main storyline as well as everything with the classes. And you find out some interesting things about T7. He worked as a copy or as a speech writer for a senator. That was one of his odd jobs. <laughs> but he's been and done everything. And then as you progress through the story, you see him all over the place. It's awesome. And in regards to the Jedi Knight, I've been telling people now lately. If you have not played through that storyline, you definitely should. Because when you are starting on, I can't remember if it's alluded to in Hot Cartel, I believe it was, but it definitely obviously is in, in, in Revan, like the Emperor's dead, presumably. Mm -hmm. And what you find out is that it's the fucking Jedi Knight that killed him. <laughs> That's the end of the Jedi Knight storyline. So, like, think about the ending of all the other storylines. The Jedi Knight kills the Emperor. Kind of hard to beat that. And so, it, like, it was ramping up towards it. And I was thinking, they're not going to make you, the player character, actually kill the Emperor. And fucking right, you do. And it was like, holy shit. So, so that was awesome. And it really helped to explain, then, the storyline moving forwards. And that's the other reason why I'm dying to take that one now through, especially into Fallen Empire, because of everything that happens with the Emperor there. So that's pretty and are, cool. are you going to run him through the other stuff just to see like his version of the story, or you just dump, jump straight in? No, I'm going to run as a female uh, Sith character. I'm actually going to run her all the way through as well, because I do want those options with the companions and whatnot that you kind of pick up along the way through, especially Revan. Hut, I'll do Hut, but man, I'd be willing to jump over Hut and not bother it with it. I, I don't know how you felt about that, the rise of the Hut cartel. I, on its own, I think it's fine uh, as, you know, telling the story of the, at least from my side, you know, Darth Mars rise to power. 
but I, I think overall it, it doesn't carry as much weight as Revan does, obviously. Yeah. And yeah. then even the the Zios storyline. Yeah, there again, there it, it was good. It's just when you know what's waiting for you on the other side, you yeah. just want to jump into Revan right away. So then, moving into the Fallen Empire. Even at the spot where you're at, which I don't know exactly story-wise where it is, but even by that, I know for a fact, I was blown away by the story. And you're doing this on your Sith Inquisitor, right? Yes. So what do you feel? How are, how how do you feel about the story so far? See, it's interesting. Like, the story is clearly fantastic, but I'm looking at it and I was like, man, they just stopped making an MMO. <laughs> Oh yeah, it yeah. just made a single player game because uh, it's it's heavily railroaded. There's very few even public areas where you can see other players. But I think now that I'm on Odison, like it's kind of come back around. Like it's an actual town with people and shops and that sort of stuff. So I I, I think at least for those first eight chapters, it's it's very railroaded and it's essentially a single player game inside an MMO. So I'm curious to see how they're going to maintain that going forward because I thought, you know, Hut Cartel and Shadow of Revan, like I think they had a good balance of telling their story while still definitely being part of the MMO world. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how, how they handle that. That was something that they made a big deal about though with Fallen Empire, that it was going to, they were returning to their roots, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to do mainly storytelling. So, not only was I all right with that, but I was I was impressed with it. Now, that being said, I was running this like you still haven't been gilded, whereas I had that I know, of course, the uh, the character that I ran through. Well, both of them actually were in in guilds and one in particular is a spectacular guild with very friendly people and, and chatty as well. So I still had that MMO feel. Plus, whenever. Mm-hmm. I felt like leveling as well just to um, just to race through some levels and do some some flashpoints or whatever. They were there and more than willing to jump in and, and do stuff. So I still got that MMO feel while still having the standalone RPG feeling as well from whenever I just wanted the quest kind of thing. Fair enough. So what kind of story are like, are you still playing kind of gray or have you just been choosing primarily dark options now? It, it's still difficult for me. Like every decision I'm waiting, uh, I'm waiting against myself because like, you know, I'm still a Sith. I've still got an edge, but I said, I'm not megalomaniacal. Like I, I, I'm choosing to do these things in the hope of building a better empire. So like, especially with, uh, I'm not going to spoil too much, but as I called him, uh, Star Wars Handsome Jack. Well, no, no, it's this is done. <laughs> I was hoping we are spoiling. So by okay, all means, okay. start giving story elements away. You've you've done it more recently than I have. So yeah, when you have you know, the Emperor <laughs> possessing your body, <laughs> straight out of Tales from the Borderlands is what I thought. Like the part where uh, what's her name, Senya, revealed that she was the mother, and he just pops up and goes, "Oh." I wasn't expecting her to tell you that. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking handsome Jack. Yeah. <laughs> so like all of his decisions of, you know, when you choose to use his power and when you choose to like push him away, those have been really difficult for me because, you know, from the role playing standpoint, he's the asshole I've been setting out to dethrone. Like, I don't want to play into his game. But on the other hand, I kind of have a history of stealing power from ghosts. <laughs> so I, I think of the three times he's offered it, I've taken it twice. Oh, really? Yeah. 
it just happened that both of the characters that I ran through that were light side characters primarily and were really against him. And so I always refused it. And then the, See, the fight's a little bit harder. In the first one is where uh, he said, if I didn't take the power, Lana was going to die. Yeah. And I don't know if she actually does die or not because I took the power because I'd been romancing Lana. So so was I, actually. So I, I was like, nope, that's got to gotta save her. Yeah, no, uh, I, that was actually a tough choice for me because for and, – and this was big, too, for the first time as well. If it had been Farron, he'd have been fed with the Oh, wolves. yeah. That's all I know. <laughs> the, uh, uh, they made it so that uh, uh, you could have gay relationships as well. Mm-hmm. So my female characters – have not been romancing any of their male companions and they've been, they've been saving themselves for Lana. <laughs> so as soon as Lana shows up and you have that option and it's not a sleazy thing, it's just, that's how I envision these characters. So that's where I went. So especially with one of them, it was like, Oh shit. But I, I did it anyways. And, and you wind up saving her. So it's not a, it's not mm-hmm. a, a make or break kind of thing. Yeah, the second time against the Scion guy, I was like, I got this. I don't need your help. But then the third one against Arkin, I was like, that was a hard enough fight with my companion. So after HK had been taken out, I was like, I don't <laughs> like I was sitting there like mechanically. Do I want to even try to deal with this fight <laughs> without the emperor's power? I did it without his powers again. And it is a tougher fight. I'm curious. So did the same thing? Did it end the same way for you where the building basically falls down on him? Oh, no, I lightning his ass off the edge. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, when you refuse the, but the power. But then I have to deal with, like, basically, like, the, the power overloaded my body. So, like, even in the fight out of the tower, like, I kept being momentarily stunned because I was overloaded oh, okay. on force. No, for me, the, the building comes crashing down on him. But, he, of course, he still lives. Um Okay, so how many of the companions, the old companions, have you gotten back so far then? Uh, none of the Inquisitor ones. I'm trying to remember so far, if there's any I've, Inquisitor ones that come at any point. I have no idea. Uh, but all I know, the only ones I recognize from uh, characters in the past were T7 and Scorpio. Yeah, Scorpio. obviously Lana and Farron and Senya, like they're from later stuff. Yeah, yeah. Scorpio plays a, a large role, obviously. That's not spoiling anything, but she's there. This, and of course, HK. Yeah, I'm looking forward to running this on my Imperial Agent because, of course, she is a, a, mm-hmm. an Imperial Agent character companion. So I'm really looking forward to doing that with her because when you play through the – I got to Chapter 3 on my Imperial Agent, so I'm close to, to finishing it off. And Oh, no, actually, I did finish it. Sorry, I did actually finish him. Um, her companion story quest, that's a fucked up robot, let me tell you. <laughs> that that is evil incarnate is what that that robot is, and so that's why I'm really looking forward to playing it through on my my Inquisitor and or not my Inquisitor my uh, Imperial Agent. Funny enough, again I'm I've only got three characters left classes I should say whose storylines I have not finished yet. So I'm working on those right now. I've got my my Smuggler is the one I'm working on now, and he's only got one chapter left to go, and then I'm going to finish off the other two. So I've seen quite a number of them, and I have opinions about them and whatnot, but the Jedi Knight, once again, so far is the only one that is really pulling in elements from the other classes as well. Like, there's mm-hmm. references to the Havoc Squad 
for the trooper and things like that with one of your companions. And then at one point when you're dealing with Doc, the fucking jackass that he is, um, <laughs> I don't know if I was telling you this already, but uh, he wants to develop a cure for a disease to make himself famous. And then he finds out that Nemro the Hut is infected with something. So he's going to help him. And I went, hey, I know that guy. And then he says there's a liaison that's going to come on the ship while he goes and takes care of that. Who walks onto your goddamn ship? Freaking Calio. <laughs> I was going, <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> and and she and my character were just chit-chatting. Shooting this yeah, shit about you can definitely stuff. tell which campaigns they spent more time on. And <laughs> just had fun. Yeah, yeah. But so, that, that, that's something I'm, I'm noticing now is since they don't have to make eight separate bits of content – they can just make one really, really good uh, amount of content, and like I said, like I said last time, they're they're still tying it into the pre-existing storylines through dialogue and and other things. So I think it was a really smart move on their part to instead of making eight separate stories, make one big story that everybody can participate in, but still feel a part of. Yeah, because I'm, I'm actually really interested to see how this is going to play out on a non-force user. I that I've done it on a non-force user, so it. It's just as epic. It's just as epic because in much the same way as they found uh, ways of writing the characters to be fairly powerful regardless if they use the force or not, Mm -hmm. the same thing applies here. And I would guess that if you are taking the the emperor's powers to do different things, then it would maybe make more sense, you know, kind of thing. But it still works Anyway, because you've spent 60, 65 levels kicking ass and taking names with a blaster or whatever. So it's not it doesn't feel off for my bounty hunter. It felt a little off because, I mean, she's going a toe to toe with Argon, with with Valen, with everybody kind of thing. And it's like, darling, I hate to break it to you, but you'd be in pretty deep trouble by now. (laughs) Your little flamethrower would only go so far. But uh, of the new companions as well, like you were saying, you're not much of a fan of, of Theron. I'm, I'm... Oh, no. He's a fine character. My Inquisitor just doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you think of Senya? Oh, she has been so amazing. Like when she first showed up, like it was like, OK. But then the revelation, you know, with her being the mother, I was like, all right, that's going to change things. But then when you go on that little mission with her and just like all the side dialogue with her, she's such an interesting character. Like she, she has a lot of depth to her. And then in addition to that, her interactions with the rest of the crew, Lana, and especially uh, what's his name? Kof, yeah. the, the pilot, yeah. like that, that relationship and how it's, it's great. Like I, 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 I can't wait to do more stuff with her. I am amazed with the depth of writing for this character. Because, I mean, she is a companion character. So when we look at the companion questing that we did up until then, some of it was quite good. Some of it was borderline epic, but nothing was like blow you away kind of thing. Her stuff's amazing. The more time you spend listening to her and her stories and figure things out. And the voice acting was so bloody good for her. Like, I really, really was amazed. Like, when you got that reveal that she's the parent, I was like, holy shit. Like, (laughs) it was well done. And then all of a sudden, it's no longer just that animosity with, it's not Kof, is it? What the hell's his name? It's something with a K. I'm going to look it 
up while we're talking. But once you get the um, that revelation, all of a sudden now, every time you're going up against, be it the twins or, or Valen, mm-hmm. you're wondering, oh, should Valen, I take her? Geez. Yeah, talk about an amazing <laughs> character. Like some of the cracks that she has made, like when she kills the extra guard because she doesn't like odd numbers or something like that. She says, yeah, it's like, I killed three. And then three more just because I don't like odd numbers. <laughs> like, you could have killed one more if you don't like odd numbers. <laughs> but in terms of a villain kind of thing, the the two brothers, you, I mean, you only deal with one, but still pretty stereotypical. The emperor himself, I like the way that he was ridden. Much, much more, much calmer. And and wise, for lack of a better term, that he's it, willing it, to bide his time. He's got an eternity, and I I really dug that. Yeah, and like I can't figure him out. Like I don't know what his his ploy is here, what his end game is, and like as a character, it terrifies me. But as a like as you know a fan, I'm like this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I again I you you get a little bit more when you get towards the end. I would but, imagine, yeah. But there's still so much left to go. Like, and that's not spoiling anything. It's Koth, by the way. God, I, I you were close here. That's though. that's you know, oh for two, but in each case, very close. <laughs> but um, I, I just want to uh, say real quick back on Senya, how much I appreciate that they have this older woman who's the badass yeah. warrior of the group. It's you know, it's like we said about Anna, except you know, Star Wars. <laughs> she's because she's you know. She's not like elderly, but she's definitely past middle age, let's just say. Well, I liked it again because you got both her and Lana and both mm-hmm. very strong women, both very passionate about what they believe in and both of them insanely good in a fight. So well, yeah, Star Wars is the universe of super powerful old men. <laughs> so having a powerful older woman is also. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So and I, I dug it. Have you gotten to the point where you get... Okay, again, I don't want to spoil too much here, and that's what's making this tricky, because some of the companions that you get that were from before are really fucking cool, like really insanely cool, but I don't know which ones you've come across so far. I'm going to assume I haven't yet. (laughs) Okay, damn it. We'll talk about it next week then. So, yeah, so like what are, before we move on, like any favorite moments so far that you've had in game? The end of Revan, by far, is the highlight of that game. So oh, no, no. I was talking about Fallen Empire. The end oh, of Revan is an obvious. Specifically in Fallen Empire. Um, God. Because you've gotten the ship so far, right? The, you get yeah. The, you got the graveyard. I thought that was pretty yeah, cool I myself, too. And I, I liked the way that it was handled and it made sense. Even the quote-unquote fetch quest at least made sense because you're going to get shit to repair the, the, the ship. So it kind of makes sense. And and I liked everything about that and how it was handled. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of having trouble pinning down one specific moment because it's been pretty consistently great across the board. Okay, I, I think it's just you know deepening of the the character interactions with Lana and like is it Senya has been the the standout of the new cast so far. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Let's move on. So, like I said, next week we're going to talk some more about this because we are, in fact, going to talk about that video that dropped as well as our expectations moving forward. Because the Knights of the Eternal Throne is actually going to be released for subscribers end of November and beginning of December for everybody else. So, that's like right on our doorstep. And in a couple of weeks, we get an amazing companion. 
Oh yes, yes, yeah. You're talking about the the dark versus light, right? Or no, or, the uh, oh, the Eternal ta- Throne, the yeah. Shavisla. Yeah, yeah. But you're also yeah, because she's in Revan. In Revan, you you quest with her. She was freaking awesome in there. I I really like that character as well. That's why when you were talking about when uh, when you're fighting Revan at the end and everybody shows up, the best entrance is her oh when she God. comes cruising in off her jetpack and is like, you rock lady. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be like you. Joe, if you're still listening, badass Mandalorian woman. <laughs> oh, I've been following. I've just been letting you guys talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is freaking awesome as hell. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to her. And then pretty soon we'll be getting the companion as well. For, well, some of us from the dark versus light. Yeah, I'm have, not going to be. Have you I mean, actually she had tried? Give me a throat punch. So, Have you actually tried to be getting any more of the tears? Uh, I'm Once I finish Chapter 9 of Fallen Empire, I'll have the third tier. Right. And I think I might be able to squeeze out the fourth tier, but that's going to require leveling an entire second character so far. So we'll see. Level of, well, you're going to have to level a Republic one. Yeah. Oh, you poor dear. <laughs> Do the well, Jedi Knight. Dude. Hopefully in the very near future, I'm going to be employed. So my Star Wars time is going to dry up. Well, there's that. There is that. Okay, let's move on. Overwatch has been pretty awesome so far in terms of adding some seasonal flair and with different events and things like that for not just the, the brawls and whatnot, but like the stuff with the Olympics and things like that and adding new stuff as well. And they just announced the stuff for Halloween, which went live and Vince, you've tried it as well, right? I have not. Okay. Cause I know Joe I, I and I have downloaded it today. Crap load of it. I've been focused on star Wars. So go ahead, Joe. Well, this is one of those things where Blizzard is, has been known for doing holiday events uh, to a high degree of success for years on all their other IPs. And everybody's been waiting for the big holiday event for Overwatch. We had the Olympics, but we didn't really have like a true honest to God holiday thing until now. And now we have the Overwatch Halloween Terror from October 11th to November 1st. And it introduces not just some incredibly highly detailed skins that are hilarious and awesome uh like the witch mercy uh the zen zombiata which i think is one of my favorites which is basically a zombie version of of zenyata the zombie of hanzo or the zombie hanzo the zombie soldier 76 the zombie pharah the uh the headless horseman style uh reinhardt i mean they these are some quality skins and not just a few of them. There's a lot of yeah. them. Uh, there's brand new emotes, brand new uh, sprays. If you care about that, um, there's a bunch of highlight intro reels that are absolutely hilarious, like uh, Genji throwing up a pumpkin and then carving it super quick with his sword and then, you know, showing everybody. It's it's a lot of fun. But not only are they introducing new cosmetic things, we get a brand new game mode right now for the brawl. And this is something that. I think a lot of people have been looking forward to as well is the introduction of different game modes from just the standard fair play. Brawls have been a great place to do that. Here we get Junkenstein's Revenge, uh, which is basically Junkrat, who is a mad scientist. He's Dr. Frankenstein with his uh, Junkenstein's monster, a.k.a. Roadhog. Which, by uh, the way, he, both of those skins. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Just freaking amazing. Eight. He gets a little help from a 
pumpkin-headed reaper, straight like out of Sleepy Hollow, and uh, a nice little appearance by a lovely little witch named Mercy. He <laughs> sends waves, waves of zombie omnics at you as you try to guard the gate of basically Reinhardt's castle while Reinhardt is doing narration for the entire story. <laughs> Not only are there brand new voice lines for the characters involved, but yeah, it's Reinhardt talking about each and every wave and all the, like narrating everything that's happening. And I just have this picture in my head of him, like with these kids in the village, like sitting there telling them ghost stories <laughs> and we're just happy to be playing through it. And it's hilarious. Uh, the game mode is, uh, a four-player co-op, and players can choose from uh, Anna, Hanzo, McCree, or Soldier 76, and you can only have one of each. And you have to defend Aldersbrung Castle's door against these these Omnics, as well as the aforementioned NPCs. You get the Reaper, you get the Junkrat, you get the uh, Junkin' Science Monster, and you get Mercy, who is probably the most annoying goddamn thing in that entire mode. And it's like a MOBA. It's like a tower defense style, but you have to work with your team to coordinate and stop the Omnics from attacking or reaching the door. It is one of the most fun game modes I have ever played in any sort of first-person shooter. I honestly, whoever thought this mode up, I want to hug them because it's absolutely brilliant. Now, Roger, did you, you've actually had a chance to play this now? I've done both the easy and the medium. I haven't finished off the hard yet, but yeah. Oh, God, hard is hard is a pain in the dick. Let me tell you, medium so, is a pain in the ass. Medium, okay, but medium medium is difficult, and I will grant you that. But the thing with medium and, and easy is the omnics don't attack yeah. you. Yeah, you were saying in that. in hard mode, the omnics are like, oh wait, you you're trying to kill me and my friends. No, I'm going to murder you. Then I'm going to go after the door. The thing and is, so, the thing that I found is that with the with with easy and even with medium. You really don't necessarily have to work as a team, which if you're just pugging it, a lot of times folks aren't really working as a team, especially because you're so limited in what character you can choose and people aren't always wanting to play one of the two classes that can heal. So that's being that's kind of a pain in the ass. And in medium, you really do need to work a little bit more as a team. So that's why hard scares the shit out of me, because I know I'll get stuck with the people who have everybody wants to play either Hanzo or whatever. Oh, I would never play hard with anything more than like a pre-made group mm. with anything less than a pre-made group because it does require a stupid amount of coordination. coordination. Yeah. And not only that, but also the use of your alts is yeah. really super important in this. Whether you're McCree and you have to plan the perfect way to do your alts uh, to clear out a particularly bad wave because it will even the uh, – they're sort of like uh, – what's the word? Mortar zombies – that stand at long range and deal tons of damage instead of charging the gate and exploding. Uh, you want to kind of like coordinate when you blow those up versus when Hanzo blows his all versus who Anna's going to uh, up, which is generally like, and, and for those of you that are playing, wait till Soldier 76 says he has his alt, let him pop his alt, and then if you're Anna, give him your alt and just watch the waves go down yeah. and try to save that for like the actual named NPCs. But it's it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And I love the uh, the old horror style B-roll uh, footage at the end when everything, whether you win or lose. And it's got like the grainy effect with like the tears and well, everything. the black and white too at the beginning and, and yep. whatnot. Yeah. 
it's it's phenomenal. It really is. The only thing that I wish is, and and I mean that's being a little picky because obviously it is very good, very fun. Although I don't know how long the interest is going to continue with it, because I've done it now since yesterday, and already I'm going. I could go for a normal game now, kind of thing. So it's like I don't know how long. But that being said, I kind of wish it had been made a little bit bigger, not significantly bigger. Not longer, but have a little bit more room so that you're literally not just in those three lanes and in that one spot kind of thing. It would give you an opportunity to move around a little bit more. I can see the difficulty with that with getting healed and things like that, but that's where that coordination would come into play. Possibly, yeah. But I think the I think the joy in it is going to be found by people who spend time trying to ace it. Yeah. Uh, which is what me and my group are trying to do right now, because apparently there are things that you can unlock by acing the content. And I haven't seen anything from what you actually get, whether it's like a spray or, or whatever the case is or an icon. But we want to know what the hell it is. So we decided to kind of put hard mode aside for now and just focus on acing medium. Uh, to see exactly what you can unlock. And I think there's a lot of fun in that. Like even even when I was at work talking with my friends, there was a lot of a lot of interest in it. There was talking about, yeah, let's get a group together. Let's go and do this. Let's and that was refreshing to see because with Legion coming out, Overwatch just kind of fell oh, to the yeah. wayside. Yeah, definitely. Now, not only did we get a great new mode and a great new, well, pretty much everything as far as this event's concerned, there was the little bit of the news about the leak about Sombra. So this is something that everybody has been anticipated and looking for. And I forgot where it was that the screenshot popped up, but there was a screenshot of Sombra in all of her glory. Uh, it was taken down quickly, but not quick enough because there is a slew of fan art everywhere. Yeah. And the people that are questioning the legitimacy of this, because this came out about a week, uh, dropped about a week before the event came live. There was nothing about the event, but in this article or in this thing, no, I think no, it was on Eurogamer. You, you can see in that screen grab, because it was somebody that took a cell phone picture yes. of their monitor. There's actual text that did uh, I was just talk about, about junk and stuff. Well, okay. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> oh, no. You, you, you had said it had nothing to do with the event, and I was like, well, it did. I was going to say, I mean, her release doesn't have anything to do coincide with the event. He or was right. does it? You know Possibly. Right. Yeah. Because part of the... Part of the, the, the candy inside of the uh, the buckets, which are the new loot boxes, is the Sombra Head Sugar Skull, which I think is interesting. But the validity of it, it was val- was validated, as, uh, at least in my opinion, by the inclusion of essentially all of the Junkenstein stuff as well as the skins having come to pass. So it's safe to, safe to assume that we're going to see Sombra probably within a week or two. I wouldn't be surprised if she's like a Halloween release because it seems perfectly fitting. Yeah, yeah. I was telling you before, I actually, I kind of wish that I was just starting this game now (laughs) so that I'd get all the loot boxes from the easy levels (laughs) at the beginning. That would be freaking awesome because now they take quite a bit longer. But I got one and legendary coin flies up and I'm like, yes, and it's a mercy (laughs) skin. And I'm like, yes, and it's the fucking Valkyrie one. (laughs) You trolling motherfuckers. I was not happy about that. I listen, still equipped I, it, let, but I was not happy about it. <laughs> let's let all the skeletons out of our closet. I bought like 20 loot boxes during the summer games. <laughs> I did not, actually. 
I, 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 I wasn't going to, but that's when my internet was shit, so I couldn't play the game. Right. I was like, well, mm. I, I at least going to drop five bucks or whatever it was to get some loot boxes. I, had seen I actually considered it. I really did because there was a couple that I really liked from that. But then it was like, no, hold off. But this is Not the first like, time I was telling Joe, Joe too, like, I'm I'm seriously considering dropping money on this, and that that's wrong. <laughs> Oh, I already, I already have a plan. I'm not even going to be ashamed in it. So my plan is I'm going to play this until the end of the event. And on November 1st, before the event goes away, I'm going to buy 20 loot boxes or $25 worth of loot boxes, and I'm going to open them all up. So, yeah, if that's the thing to, that's going to happen. Because we also have a problem of the Street Fighter V Halloween skins are really good. <laughs> you lost me at Street Fighter. I'm yeah, because who the fuck cares about that? <laughs> Seriously. Certainly not me. All give, right. me, give me my mercy, witch skin, damn it. We have also had a lot of news over the last week on different VR stuff because there was a big Oculus VR event that went on. And then there was also today was a Steam Vive event that was going on. And we're getting more information about both of those. The, the Oculus, again, ever since Lucky's bullshit, I have been pretty much not even reading any of it. But there was a really good interview and gameplay footage of a game called Lone Echo. And they were showing it on uh, Tested, which I, I really like those guys. And so they were showing off not just the gameplay, but talking to the, the developer for it. And what I liked about this game is that you're playing as a basically a repair robot in space. And you have to keep your station working well and whatnot. And you're... I think you're on one of the asteroids or you're floating near one of the asteroids uh, or one of the rings of, of Saturn, which is like the, the visuals were unbelievable. But what was very cool about it is how they handled movement, because that's a big one. Unless you're in the Vive, which allows you to move around, the other ones, you're often using just a jump mechanic where you're pressing the button to skip ahead kind of thing, or you're using joysticks to move, and neither one of those really feels natural. But what they did with this is it's zero-G, and you're literally just using your hands. So if you're holding the, the, the wands, or in this case the Oculus Touch, you can just push yourself off and things like that and grab onto things. And then they were also being... Very intuitive in terms of how to allow you to do different things. And instead of forcing you to memorize which button to press to do different things, be it magnetize hands or, or throw something or whatever, they just make you touch a, a, a button or a function on your quote-unquote wrist, the robot's wrist. So it's not a matter of pressing a physical button so much as just with your avatar tapping where your wrist is to activate different things. And then you just go about your normal way. It reminded me very much of early on when I had seen some videos where they were talking about just this and trying to make functions natural. Case in point, one of them was talking about uh, pulling out your gun. Whereas a lot of games or whatever, you're going to press a button to bring it out. The natural thing is just to reach behind your back if it's slung back there and pull it out. And so that's, that's how they handle that. And so I really liked how this was very intuitive in that way. And so you're, you, the robot, can go around all over this station. Hell, you can even go away from the station and explore if you want. And you use the different functions on your, your wrist and whatnot that do different things, be it propel you with air, compressed air, or the magnetize and things like that. And then you push yourself off different environmental things. Again, in terms of mobility, freaking genius. 
And then there's a story behind it as well. Like there's different things that's going on. You're interacting a lot with an actual human that's on the station and things like that. I, I'm really hoping this is coming out for the other ones as well. Cause I would love to play this game. It was really freaking cool. And then I want to know what prompted you, Vince. <laughs> We're not going to talk about too long, but I need to know what is it that prompted you to want to discuss the tutorial, sleazy tutorial, Japanese tutorial thing with the maid outfit? Because we were light on show notes and it had oh, okay. letters <laughs> and R in it. You assumed it was VR, I'd be willing to talk about it. I figured it would be made for an interesting discussion. Yeah. We had actually <laughs> kind of proved his point because yeah. he brought it up. Well, I mean, we're light on talk, like he said. So <laughs> just briefly, I just I, I wanted to know why I had actually not seen the French made uniform when they had initially <laughs> talked about it. The mere concept initially was enough for me to go. Ooh, that's so easy. But and, the, the original concept, I was like, it's not too creepy. No, it is. By, by Japanese VR game standards, okay. this is very tame. Yes, I'll give you that. But then I saw <laughs> the then French maid. But the maid outfit, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Somewhere, your girlfriend was squeeing. <laughs> like, I want to play it. <laughs> so anyways, let's move on. Joe, what did you think about the, uh, the sticks ga- uh, gameplay footage that I, I, I gave you? It looks pretty, but I have the same problem with it that I have with the the first game, uh, which was, I believe it was Master of Shadows from a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. It's too generic. Now, Sticks, if you're unfamiliar, you're basically a, like a goblin thief assassin with magical powers type deal. And to put it in context, the game plays very much like Assassin's Creed slash thief slash Batman uh, and any anything that has stealth mechanics. Uh, you know, Batman, as you so pointed out. Uh, it's a cool concept, and I feel like it should be better than it is, but it's generic fantasy world, generic everything, and the first one, the storytelling was kind of eh. So I'm a little worried about this one. Visually, graphically, it looks like it's going to be incredibly beautiful, and it looks like it's going to be very fluid, um, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sold yet. I actually like the environmental stuff, especially the use of various things that he finds around um, or she. I can't remember. I thought that I heard them say she at one point. Uh, but no, it's, I, it's a goblin. It can be whatever. Yeah, I, I, I didn't play the first one. I, I had wanted to play. It. Actually, I own it because it was part of the PS Plus <laughs> of at one point. No, it was PS Plus. It was a free game. Oh. So but it's on. I believe the free one came on PS3, which is why I didn't play it, even though I got it hooked up. But I, anyways, moving on. My point is, is I was very interested in it, but then I'd heard the bad reviews on it and things like that. So I kind of went, yeah, whatever. I'll put it on the back burner. So this one, I, I agree with you in terms of the gameplay. I'm a little hesitant i'm hoping there will be enough gameplay not gameplay but uh, story there to to keep us in that world but in terms of the gameplay i didn't get generic from it i i understand what you mean it's doing things that we've seen in a lot of other games but i thought it was doing it in such a way that it was while not breaking the mold pushing the envelope in terms of making everything be it interactive or how to handle different situations from other things. I mean, literally, we can look at Dishonored 2, which we all are going to be playing sure. probably day one, and it's the same thing. It's just right, we are invested the, the in that world. 
But the difference between the two is that Dishonored presented us with a story. Oh, yeah, they, oh, presented yeah us I agree. With a compelling story. The, the original Styx game, Master of Shadows, didn't. But there's and no saying that's going to be the case with this one. I I understand that there, I'm going to give it, I'll, I'll give it a chance, but I'm not, I'm not chomping at the bit like I would for something else. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Um, and I, and I mean, I did give the original game uh, at least a little bit of a try and I just, I couldn't get into it. And which is sad because Cyanide Studio and Focus Home Entertainment uh, Interactive are super high pedigrees as far as, you know, game systems are concerned. And it's nothing like I have no doubt that the mechanics are going to be solid. The controls are going to be solid. Gameplay is going to be fluid and wonderful. I have no doubt of that whatsoever in my mind. I just I hope that there's more of a story to it than, hey, you're a thief. Go steal stuff. I think the the issue here is that sticks as a character. He's he's a hired gun. So he has no personal stake in a lot of the missions that he's going on. So it's a very hard premise to get that character and then by uh, extension the player to connect with the world when they said when you're playing Dishonored you're Corvo you have a very personal stake in what's going on if they'd started off with you as uh, what's his name from the DLC uh, Dowd it would have been a very different game because you don't have that connection but having played as Corvo and being in that established world and then switching over to the hired gun type character it worked better and more fluidly from a narrative standpoint. So we'll see when it comes out if, as we get more news because we've still got a while before it's going to come out. I'm I'm hopeful only because I really liked what I saw. So oh, it's gorgeous. It's mechanically it looks perfect. It's like gameplay I, looked solid. I liked what. That's why I'm saying I liked what I saw. We just need to know that it's going to be worth playing in terms of story as well. We also got another trailer drop for World of Final Fantasy. And we brought this up a couple of times, but this is a, a, a much longer trailer that also shows some gameplay. Did it interest you enough that you were going to be picking it up, Vince? I've always been intrigued by the game. Uh, but now that it's getting closer to release with a, an actual demo coming out next week, yeah. I've started doing more deep dives on exactly what the hell the game is about. Because the trailer is you know, the intro for the game, and it goes literally full anime. <laughs> And it's just which was awesome. <laughs> yes, it's it's gorgeously animated. It it's has a theme song. Like it's it's perfect because this isn't a quote Final Fantasy game. It's you know it's compared to some of the st- other spinoffs I've done in the past. Uh, most recently, the Theater Rhythm, which is kind of a love letter to the Final Fantasy franchise without being a proper Final Fantasy game. It's even better. <laughs> Roger, Joe, this is Final Fantasy Pokemon. Explain to me this first, though, before you keep going on. Because <laughs> trust me, I know does I do. Um, one of the things that I found a little confusing, and I will freely admit, I have not dug into this very deeply. Because initially it was like, oh, it looks cute, but I don't know that I yeah. played it. Then I saw this and I was like, are they pre-selling this for Vita? <laughs> because I would consider possibly pre-ordering this because there's some pre-order bonuses that are pretty cool but they're not the fucking bastards but my point anyways is the trailer had several different animation styles though you get the original cutesy look that was kind of like from um kingdom hearts and then you got the Mm -hmm. anime portion which was straight up anime and then you got the chibi character Mm -hmm. style 
are is did you the, what you dug into it did, like is the game a blend of all three or is one more for cinematics and one for gameplay what's what's the scoop I believe the anime style was just strictly for the opening introduction because right. I haven't seen that anywhere else but as for the other two styles that gets into the depth of the game of the two main characters this brother and sister rain and lawn with each having an extra n for some reason are from another world that's why they look you know i don't want to say human but traditional video game characters let's just say are transported to this world of grimoire which is the chibi universe and that's that art style so actually throughout the game, you can transform from your oh. humanoid look to the chibi look. And there's actually mechanical differences for that as well. Okay. Because as we've seen in the trailers, the, the gameplay thing involves like stacking the little uh, creatures on top of your head. So you can actually carry more creatures if you're the chibi because you're smaller and rounder. So you have a better center of balance. <laughs> so there's actual gameplay aspects to this as well. But yes, they come to find out they are what's known as mirage keepers. They can capture the mirages that are around the world and the mirages are the traditional final fantasy monsters so it is literally final fantasy pokemon you go out there you capture the monsters and then you can use them in battle by stacking them on top of your head (laughs) which is goofy i will admit i have no defense for it i mean it seems i mean it checks out it tracks you know But you gain the mechanical benefits of gaining elemental affinity, extra abilities, extra hit points, and a lot of that stuff. And then you can use them in battle. It it becomes a Pokemon game set in a Final Fantasy fan service universe because the Federation of Bahamut is trying to conquer Grimoire with their army of mirages. So, you know, the good guys and Princess Sarah need the mirage keepers from the other universe. It's goofy as hell. Like, there's no defending it, but it just looks like a lot of fun. If you're a fan of Final Fantasy in general, this will remind you what you love about the franchise before the next game comes out and makes you forget what you love about the franchise. <laughs> Clearly putting things on your head. <laughs> it's it's just a great, fun side game from what I can see. And I, I'm actually, now that I, I've, I know more of what the gameplay is about, it's, it's definitely... I don't want to say a must purchase, but because, God, there's enough frigging games out as it is. It's tempting. But, uh, it's like yes. really, really tempting. Again, if 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 there had been a pre-order for the Vita, I pretty strong chance that I would have picked it up after that because mm-hmm. it just was hitting on everything for me that I was going like, this would be a lot of fun on the Vita. And and that'd be cool. Yeah, it'll be, it, it's a, it seems like a great handheld game. Yeah, it's it's also on the PS4. So, and from what I've seen, there's actually very little graphical difference. Like you can obviously notice, but the Vita version still looks really nice. Yeah, yeah. No, I would prefer to have a dedicated one, so I'm not worried about the streaming. And uh, and it'll, again, it'll give me a reason. I mean, freaking Digimon is not getting me playing it yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> I need to start that shit up too. Obviously. Uh, let's move on. Joe, you found this thing on uh, Wasteland. What did, did that like drop today? Uh, it... We lost you. Sorry, my dog decided to wake up. <laughs> How dare she? <laughs> we'll just wait. He's got to take the collar off. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yep, sure did. <laughs> motherfucker forgot to do it. No, it's because the dog was asleep and I didn't want to wake her up. I figured she would sleep through the entire show, but then my neighbors decided that today was the perfect time to move. So anyway, getting back. Uh, so yeah, so Wasteland 3, uh, it actually dropped earlier this week, but it was one of those those things that kind of slipped under my radar. Wasteland 2 was phenomenal. Uh, if you're a fan of the original old school isometric type of combat games like the original Fallout and Fallout 2 and Fallout Tactics. So here, Wasteland, not only are we getting a third installment of it, uh, it's going to a, a quite of a different route than some of the other post-apocalyptic games. Uh, first of all, this is going to Colorado, and it, Colorado is a frozen wasteland in this one, not a desert, not an irradiated, like, super warm place where you're just going to melt your skin off. It's com- something that I think is a fresh take on it almost. And I think it's mm. kind of cool. Um, no pun intended yeah. that we're going to be going into the frozen wastes to actually encounter the next level of the story. Um, it looks really, really uh, just cool so far from the little tiny stuff we've seen. Uh, the art assets have definitely been ramped up. They're investing heavier into the story than they did with two. Um, now two had one downfall and it was very linear um, Wasteland 3 is going to have dialogue trees and branching paths, which is kind of a big thing for them. And I think that's amazing, especially because they started doing that for the new Planescape that's not quite yet released yet. That's um, just called Torment Tides of new, uh, Numenera, mm-hmm. which is on my radar and actually something that I threw money at and went into early access despite not liking early access because I'm a sucker for these type of games. That's really, really cool. The other thing that's cool about it from a funding standpoint is this is one of the few and first games to actually be successfully fully funded on FIG. Oh. Now, now what FIG is, if, if for those of you who don't know, it's not just selling you stretch goals as a consumer. It's allowing you an opportunity to be an investor in the game. So you can actually put money into the game for a part of the equity And it's trying to bridge the gap between consumers and actual just, you know, investors that would never play the game, but just want to throw money at it to get to get some something back out of it. And I think that's really, really cool, because that's one of the things that with crowdfunding, that's been such a big complaint over all the years of Kickstarter, Indiegogo, is you're just buying a product before it ever comes out. So you're throwing your money at it, hoping that it comes out here. You're making an investment. So. If it does come out or it's successful, which let's face it, this thing went live and upon going live, it hit 2.7 million on the first day. It's at 2.85 million right now, but this is going to be a game that's produced. You can be an investor in the video game world. Not only that, you can buy in to actually have development input like a producer would. It's it's an interesting concept and something that I think is going to for projects like this, which are spiritual successors, works of um, beloved art, so to speak. I think we're going to start seeing a shift maybe to some more ideas coming to fig to allow more sort of player interest in it. Um, What's interesting about it is it was noted that this was created. Fig was created in general because while Kickstarter and Indiegogo are great, the big ticket or the big investors stopped using them mm-hmm. so you want a 500 5000 500000 50000 investors which let's face it 
people like Notch exist and they throw money at shit when they like it. Um, they stopped using those. This gives them an opportunity to actually enter into a contract where, yeah, it's a cool idea. That's an awesome pitch. Yeah, I'd like to see that that go live. Sure, I'll take 0.1% of the profits or something like that. It's really, really cool. All around it, like this whole thing from start to finish, Wasteland is slowly but surely helping revitalize this entire genre for me, and I'm really happy. So now it, on Fig, do they have the similar like backer tiers of like mm-hmm. various rewards and whatnot? Yep, you have the standard backer rewards, and then once you log into Fig, you can have a dual account where you can be an investor or a consumer, and you can flip between the, them depending on the projects, and there are different... Uh, contracts and different things that you can enter into depending on how you want to invest. Because I was wondering if if it was making more financial sense as well in that, you know, practically half of a Kickstarter's funds are going towards just the rewards and not the actual productions of games most times. Yeah, and that's the thing that's different here too. If you actually go to like the FIG project page for Wasteland 3 in particular, is a lot of it has to do with engaging the community in development of the game, like active development of the game. Give us your ideas for, you know, frank, like what you want to see for weapons, NPCs, dialogue trees, uh, customizations that you want to see. What type of weird things do you want to have out there? Um, case in point, uh, one of the things that people wanted in Wasteland was what vehicles with mounted weapons. Guess what we're getting in Wasteland 3? Vehicles with mounted weapons that players can use to murder the shit out of settlements if they so see fit. Um, they wanted customizable robots. Hey, guess what you got? You got customizable robots. They wanted to be able to play as rangers, which are sort of like um, the USAC in Shadowrun. They're sort of like that that sort of mm-hmm. security organization. They wanted to be able to play as that. Congratulations. You can play as that, and you have completely customizable characters in that. It's it's intriguing to see the interaction, too, because the forums for this game are already super lively on FIG itself, and there's a lot of interactions. Hey, that's a great idea. Hey, maybe we should do this instead. And it's it's refreshing to see that sort of interaction with the community, not just, hey, we're going to throw you a fan service game. Give us money. It's, hey... We all want to see this game get made. Let's sit down and figure out how to make it awesome. Okay, let's move on. Um, we got another trailer as well, and this one for yet another game that we're very much looking forward to, and that's Prey, the first video with the female protagonist narrating through as well. And once again, showing some cool shit going on that that has that dishonored feel to it just in a sci-fi setting. I think it goes beyond the dishonored feel here too, mostly because even with the, the addition of the female, it's still Morgan. You same character name, just like Shepard was in mass effect. And they want, they did this so that characters could all, so players could have an investment in the character in not just their actions, but their avatar. But what I think is interesting is it fits the story perfectly to have multiple genders and identities because at the core and this trailer drove it home the story is told from the point of view of an unreliable narrator which i'm absolutely in love with that concept as far as books movies everything is concerned i think it's one of the underutilized things to see a game do that in such a way that it's kind of sneaks up on you is brilliant and watching these alien entities you know coming down the hallway and then turning into a chair in the middle of combat and then coming out of the shadows or or one that looks like it came out of what looks like a parking meter 
it's phenomenal because with everything that's going on and everything we know about this game, we as players are going to have no fucking clue what's going on. And I think that's fantastic because when things are too linear, it gets boring. And here, everything I'm seeing, uh, I need this. I need this game in my life. Vince, did you see it? I I, I, I agree with Joe. Like <laughs> <laughs> weird, creepy sci-fi shit is very, very dear to me. It's, and it's at the point with this one very much like Dishonored 2 where I actually don't need to see any more now. Pretty much. Yeah, this, well, this, exactly. I, I would like I to see more from to. the gameplay side of things. Even that, Systems I'm all right yeah. with. With what we've seen so far, I'm all right with it. Like this is a, this is a purchase. Maybe not day one, but definitely a purchase. I'm I'm already sold on it. They've done their job. What's the? I can't remember what's the date on that. When's when's it coming out? That's coming up soon, is it not? Uh it was oh. end of this year, early quarter next. No, no, no. Uh, it's 2017. They haven't released a quarter or estimate yet, but it's sometime in 2017. Uh-huh. I had a I guess probably like quarter two. Yeah, very well. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Thank you very much for listening, folks. You can find the show notes, of course, at For the Lore, or you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on Twitter. You can find us at For the Lore, or individually, Joe is Lorders at J, Vince is Simodian, and I am Zen Buddhist. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Done. Done. Fuck that civilization shit. We don't need it. <laughs> Listen, it was an option if you wanted to fill time. I almost gave it to you as well. <laughs> if we'd been Don't get me really wrong, I low, want to play Civ, but I can only can only yell about Gandhi so often. The bastard. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Honestly, I don't know what it is. Every single time I play a Civ game, and this has to be this has to be deliberate. From the beginning of the Civ universes, Gandhi rushes the nukes and has no problem using them because because he's non aggressive early on in the game so he just focuses so much on his scientific development that when it comes time to go head to head with Gandhi you're fucked somebody needs to make a t-shirt with that (laughs) (laughs) I I am gonna definitely play that so apparently Rise of the Tomb Raider as well (laughs) (laughs) Roger you don't have time for this you got Digimon to evolve oh my god Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. Baby,